Mm, first clap of those cheeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> clap dim cheeks, baby. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Anime Club After Dark, the podcast that delves into all things anime, manga, and otaku culture related. I'm your host, Alex, but you can call me Senpai, and joining me tonight, I have our poser extraordinaire, Natai. Damn, it's been a while. It, it, it certainly feels like it. So um, I know this won't be the very first episode that goes out of our podcast in uh, in 2022. However, it is the very first one we are recording in 2022 because um, we're recording this on New Year's Day, Natai. Yeah. Happy New Year, by the way. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Um, I don't exactly know what the first episode of, of 2022 is going to be. It's not going to be this. Um, no, nah, not even close. We have some other stuff scheduled before this. But yeah, um, it, it we're in 2022, and um, we're going to be talking about tonight, um, we're doing a spoiler cast for a show that came out near the end of 2021. And quickly um, became one of the biggest shows of 2021. At, uh, yes, and very quickly became something that a lot of people were talking about in, in 2021. That, of course, is uh, is Arcane. Um, a, well, we'll get into that, but it, an animated <laughs> series mm-hmm. um, based on the quite popular uh, video game League of Legends. Just a small indie game you might have heard of. Called yeah, League a of small Legends. indie game that, you know, a few people may have uh, may have heard of. I, mm, um <laughs> I, I do want to, uh, so we'll get into the technical info here in just a, a, a bit about Arcane. I do want to ask you, though, just your opinion, Natai. Yes. Is Arcane an anime? Oh, and, and that's the million dollar question, right? I So, uh, I don't have a good yes or no answer. I like this is this isn't made in Japan, obviously, but as we all yes, know, it's Avatar, made in France. Yeah, but as we all know, Avatar: The Last Airbender is an anime, and it's not made in mm-hmm. Japan. But Arcane has some anime qualities, sort of, in its storytelling. So, like, it's kind of a, I don't know. Like, it feels anime from time to time, right? It has yeah, that. Yeah, it's anime certainly feel it's certainly sometimes. a lot like um, I like a lot like you mentioned with um with avatar it's certainly anime inspired if it's not an actual anime um i mean in the same way that um something we talked about a lot last year um castlevania Mm -hmm. is while it may not be an anime in the strictest sense it certainly is anime inspired and it's why i think both of these both arcane and castlevania are our series that we have included in our end of the year awards that we're going to be doing um in in february so. Either way, it's it is an animated series, and it's like we're kind of jumping ahead. But it is a quite fantastic animated series. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so ac- before we actually get into the meat and potatoes of of what this is, let's kind of go down some of the technical info uh, about Arcane. Mm-hmm. So um, this was first and foremost a co production between Riot Games, the studio that makes uh, League of Legends, upon which the story is based around. And a French animation studio named Fortiche. I, I, I assume I'm pronouncing that correctly. There's going to be some French names and stuff we talk about here in this technical section that I am sorry if I completely butcher French is not my forte. At least you try. <laughs> at, at least I am I am trying. Um, it was uh, directed by Pascal Charou. <laughs> okay, go I, on. And Arnaud Delord. <laughs> 
I really hope I'm pronouncing that right. From what I've been able to tell, both of these people have not worked on a significant amount uh, before this. Um, so this is essentially like, you know, I won't say that they're brand new to the idea of, of directing, but from at least what I've been able to find, they have. This is their biggest project yet, for lot. sure. Yeah, this is by far the biggest and certainly most visible project that they have worked on uh, thus far. Something to note, though, that the studio worked on the, the show also um, created some of the music videos that League of Legends released over the years. Which, when uh, we yes. when uh, you noted that, that made a lot of sense because there's a lot of sequences in this show which are very music video like, uh, which is yes, pretty cool. very very much so. Which we will certainly get to. Um, yeah, you can certainly tell though that uh, the. Music plays a a big part in how certain sequences are animated, and I think it definitely shows that the the studio that works on this uh, loves the idea of making music videos. Yep. So the actual writing of the story was done by Christian Link, who is the creative director for Riot Games, and uh, Alex Yi, who uh, hasn't apparently done a whole lot Yeet. aside from uh, Arcane. Um, yeah. Um, also, I guess worth pointing out that Christian Link is also a music, uh, composer. So, uh, this guy has his hands in a lot. Apparently. Uh, um, the actual composers for Arcane were, uh, Alexander Temple and Alex Seaver or Sever. I don't know exactly how you're supposed to say that. Um, and the OST as a whole features an array of, of, of multiple artists. Um, Sting you know, included. From, Yes, yes. Just amazing, like, ensemble of, mm-hmm. of musicians and, and composers that were brought in to work on the music uh, for this for series. Different it, genres amazing. as well. Like, yeah, the for, soundtrack yeah, is so varied. Genres. Yeah, the soundtrack is very varied in, like, terms of genres. It just sounds they're going for. It's really, really cool. Amazing when you think about how, actually, in terms of episode count, short the anime, it's, or the, yeah. the animated series, excuse me, is... <laughs> People are gonna, gonna sure that, love gonna, that. You know what? You know what? F- you know, fuck it. F- from now on, like I'm gonna say anime instead of animated series, just because. Fuck you. I think it's an anime. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the and the opening theme is uh, "Enemy" by Imagine Dragons and JID. It's pretty good. I love the I love the sculptures. The sort of uh, yeah, the sculptures for the OP. It's pretty good. Yeah, uh, I think it was really, really well done. And I mean, it's it's Imagine Dragons. They're like becoming the... Uh, th- there's a phrase that someone used once for Imagine Dragons, and I really wish I could think of it off the top of my head now. The Nickelback of the 2010s? Apt- <laughs> no, no. It's very, apt- it's very apt for the kind of music they've been doing recently. And I forget what that word... It's something like... Um, um, drama core or something like that, where like they actually make music that should be like in very dramatic movies or tv shows okay but anyway i i it's great the, the opening theme is really really good yeah, it's good um and, and a question i want to ask before you and i go any further into this um obviously as i've mentioned arcane is based on league of legends a relatively popular um 
game out there. Um, did, did you personally have any connection with League of Legends, you know, playing it or having any other, like, esoteric knowledge about it before you went into Arcane? So I've never played League. I never had any interest in it. I'm not a big uh, MOBA dude. I'm not... Don't really enjoy them. But over the years, like, every now and then, like... Like, they would release a music video of sorts that would just, like, storm through the internet. Like, you 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 couldn't miss it. You couldn't miss it. Everyone would be talking about him. Whether it be, like, the uh, Jinx reveal trailer that they did ages ago with the music clip, which uh, is, it's great. Or the KDA songs they produced over the past two years or so. Which also, like, hmm. incredible music videos. And that's the most connection I've ever had to League. Just... Every now and then, I'll be like, oh, there's a new music video, and I'll watch it. I'm like, that's pretty good. Not going to play this game, but it's it's it always seemed really cool. Like, all these yeah, different I'm not characters. not going to play this game. Nice try, but I'm not going to play this game. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. It's like, oh, these characters look incredible. They're really cool. Oh, this, this music is dope as fuck. I love it, but I'm not going to play this game. Uh, that's the most yeah. connection I ever had to it. So I knew some characters, like Jinx, for example, how they look, but in a very basic level yeah and i i i have to say going into this i probably knew even less than you like i i i knew three things pretty much about league of legends um prior to going into this one it was a video game uh two it's a game that people do play competitively and some people have made pretty good money playing it professionally um and Three, that it has a reputation online, whether it is deserved or not, that is not up for me to decide, but it has this reputation online of having a somewhat toxic player base. You're correct. Um, As someone who, one of one of my friends plays League, and every now and then he'll show me clips of him playing with other people. Man, it's, it's rough, dude. <laughs> it's not great. Yeah. Just to throw in a quick question, did you have any expect, like, because I sort of felt I knew what I was getting into, uh, after all the buzz I heard from the show, but what did you, what kind of expectation did you have before you start watching? Because you knew nothing about League. I'll be honest with you, I kind of went in with very little expectations at all. I do know that there were a lot of people, like not just you and John, but there were multiple people on our Discord server that were constantly saying over the last like month or so, like God, Arcane is great. Everyone should watch it. Everyone, like even if you're not a fan of the game, if you know nothing about League, go watch it. Go watch it. Go watch it. Yep. Same. Um, so, I mean, obviously, and people were talking about it, so I knew that, you know, it it was at least on everyone's minds. But I didn't go in with, like, high expectations or anything, if that's what you're really asking. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of went in just expecting, like, I, I honestly did not think that what people were saying about if you know nothing about League, you'll still love it. I was I doubted that a little bit, because I feel like it's it's obviously based on the game, and I, I went in knowing or thinking that... Um, God, you got to know something about the game to get the most out of this, right? And then, like, I'm I'm very pleasantly surprised by the fact that no, you really don't. Yeah, that's one of the main like points to for the show. You actually don't need to know anything about League because I also, in terms of lore and characters, I knew hmm. very little, and it's it really I, surprised me. I would me. say if. The- if there was one other thing I did know about League of Legends prior to to going into this, um, it was that I have heard from people uh, who have played it that, yeah, there is actual lore to the game, uh, or at least the game world, 
but you don't get a whole lot of that from playing the actual game. You get a lot of it from like other sources like, you know, uh, books or, or the music videos or, or what have you. Um, that's that's pretty much the only things I knew about going in. So maybe that's why I had such I, I didn't really I won't say I had low expectations, but I had very few expectations. Yeah, that's fair. Was very curious to know. Let's get into this. So the story of of Arcane takes place over over nine episodes. Um, each one is roughly forty minutes in length. Um, it kind of varies between you know like forty, forty one, forty two. Very chunky episodes. Yeah, around that forty minute mark, which is essentially two anime episodes per episode, because most anime episodes vary between like twenty one to twenty three and a half minutes. So I was very surprised by that length when I first started watching the episode. But it's kind of incredible how the pacing is just so right and so tight that it doesn't feel like it drags for a minute, for a second of it. It's kind of incredible. Yeah. And and as we get into this, uh, we'll we'll explain it. But I I don't know how you felt about it. But in nine episodes, I feel like I had like thirty five to forty episodes worth yeah. of like story content, mm-hmm. like you would when a normal anime. Each episode is so dense. It's it's kind of it amazing. Is. But it's not. But it's not too dense. Like mm-hmm. it feels like really well paced. Like you said. Yeah. It's not like overkill. But at the end of it, you feel like you've seen way more than nine episodes worth of content. It's and it leaves so much. Like we'll get to the to the ending, but yeah, it just it's incredible how much they do in nine episodes, and it's mm-hmm. amazing how much you still want to see after only nine episodes. Yes. Right? There's just so much yes. more that could be done in, the, in this setting with these characters, and they already accomplished so much with them. It's it's yeah, very exciting sure. to think about it. It is. And the story itself takes place over a very um a very classic three act structure. So each each act encompasses three episodes. So act one is episodes one through three. So let's get into that uh right now. Um right. I think one of the things that struck me, especially in the very first episode, was just how well the setting, the world that the story takes place in is portrayed. Um we were I mean, we're dumped into a setting that has it seems very, very alive. It's essentially a tale of two cities, even though it's yeah. actually technically one city. You mm-hmm. have like the upper city of Piltover, mm-hmm. um, which is this like gleaming metropolis that seems like, you know, almost like a utopia, right? Yeah, it's very sort of quote unquote progressive science focused city that's all about making progress yes. and inventions. Yeah, and then you have this undercity, which is. Uh, it's not officially called Zon. It's actually still part of Piltover. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the people that live there feel so separate from the actual upper city of Piltover that they may as well be a separate city. Now, we need to get this out of the way, but the the design of both cities and in general, the background art for all like all locations in this show, mm. incredible. Absolutely incredible. Like it needs to be said. These places look lived in. Yes, it looks lived in. It looks it looks well thought out the way that, that things are designed and especially like the buildings. Like they, they look stylistic, mm-hmm. but they also look very practical, especially yeah. in the undercity. Mm-hmm. Um and I wanted to ask you about like, what would because the, the phrase that I have kind of come up with to describe the way it looks is neon steampunk. Mm. That's an interesting like to some extent, yes, for Piltover, but for the Undercity, it's kind of like 
sort of sort of yeah it's it's interesting because like that the aesthetic of the slums for the undercity is just so prominent obviously but it is mixed yeah, with that neon feels- sort of vibe every now and then like you see the vendor's bar for example i love the design of that bar it looks incredible Yes. Yeah. By the way, I love the name of that bar too because I've actually been to a real life bar called The Last Drop. Oh, actually, it's such a good <laughs> yes. bar name. It is. It's a fantastic bar name. Um, yeah, I, I love the. I love the way that you, the visual style of of both uh, Piltover, the Upper City, and the Under City. Um, you can tell that they actually do belong to the same city, but they each have their distinct feel to them. Yeah, for sure. Like. You know when a scene is taking place in the upper city versus the undercity, like just just by the way the things look around them. Yeah, they they said they they. There's so much character to everything, and it, like beyond yeah. the character the, the characters themselves, which we'll get to. But yeah, the locations themselves, because there are more places to be seen besides the, uh, Zon and Piltover. There's like these sort of like ri- like as we said the the bar itself, Silco's office. The council room. There's so many like small locations that just have so much character and just look. They look great. They look fantastic. And and again, it goes back to they feel lived in. They feel like they have been there before the story happened and after yes. the story happened. Right. Yeah, it's you great. get the sense that this city has been around for for quite a long time, and the city itself is set up as sort of a city state. At least that's the impression that I get from mm. it because it doesn't seem like it's part of an actual nation. Yeah, um, it seems like the city itself is a nation, and like we do get hints that there's more stuff out there beyond Piltover. But yeah, for mm. for now, it's like city state is. Yeah, that's actually a very appropriate like yeah to say about Piltover. I think, and also something obviously that occurs in Act One is we get introductions to a lot of the principal characters that the story will revolve around, and that's something else that I wanted to point out. Um, a method of writing that I love. I mean, there, there's many different ways you could write a story, like a very direct route from A to B. You can in- incorporate, you can like introduce uh, plots A, B, C, and D, and have them all run concurrently. Or you can do what uh, Arcane did is and introduced multiple plots and have them interweave and connect to each other throughout the it's telling so of good. the story. It's so so yes. good, and it's so satisfying and, like, when things like finally like come you know, together. Comes together, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, and that's what happens a lot in Act 1. You see all these these story threads that are introduced, and they seem like they're not connected. Or if they are connected, it's it's very tangentially. Like, yeah. they just connect and then they go off. But then by the end of it, you see, like, this is all pretty much connected from the very, very beginning. Mm-hmm. And that's even, even in the introduction of these characters, you can see that. Like, um... In in the very first moments of of the story, where you have Vi and and Powder and their little their gang of people, like that that to me that opening sequence when they're going in and they're they're I guess playing Robin Hood, stealing from the rich to give to the poor. Pretty much, yeah. Like, not take a, take out of it that it's actually setting up a much larger plot to come. Like that gives you a great glimpse very quickly into the plight of these characters from this undercity. Like they're definitely a um an oppressed class. They're definitely being For held sure. back by people who are above them. For sure. Like the undercity is a shitty place to live in compared to Piltover. Yes, and that first scene like exemplifies that so much. Like they're playing Robin Hood for a reason. They're like trying to make this big haul. They're trying to steal a lot of stuff so they can go back to the Undercity and sell it. 
and the dynamic between the characters is so good in that scene. I love it. Yeah. Also, one thing I absolutely love is in the second episode, you actually see... So, one of the things that happens in the first episode while they're ransacking this place is they get caught, right? Mm-hmm. And someone tries to break in and and, and, and catch them, and they're, they're ransacking it, and they get out as quick as possible, and then, you know, they there's that, you know, chase through the upper city into the undercity where they end up losing, or Powder ends up losing uh, most of the loot that they actually did get. Yeah. And um, that ends that ends up setting up a whole thing with her character arc. Um, but then in the very start of the second episode, you actually see the other side of what's happening on that door. That person trying to break in, and that introduces the character Chase. of Jace. Yeah. And it's like, holy shit! What a great way to introduce these two disparate story threads and show that they were always connected from the beginning. It's great. It's very intelligent, and it like it. It's it's very. It's a very satisfying experience to watch it because you like every like uh, like almost every episode you have you have this like new connection you're making it's like aha I get it so that's what this is all about and it's very it's a very satisfying viewing experience like and that's I, another reason why I like the style of writing and maybe it's the mm-hmm. same way for you is it doesn't assume that the audience is stupid yeah it like, expects it you lets to keep them up figure this out for themselves yeah. I mean, what, one of the reasons Bakano is my favorite anime of all time is because it's, it takes that idea of storytelling but just puts it on steroids. And, you know, it's, mm. it's, it's really fun. It's really engaging. Like, you feel mm. you're in, you, you want to, like, keep track of what's going on because it's just so satisfying to, like, connect the dots, you know? Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah. I, I also love how in, um, in the beginning, the first couple of episodes, you, as you're introduced to Vi and Powder and their little gang of misfits, um, it's, it's shown that no one really likes Powder that much. <laughs> she, she's a very troubled child, you could say. It's very apparent from the beginning that, that she's a bit off. But Vi always is sticking up for her. Yeah, that something is a little, little bit wrong. But then you have that scene where, like, she's listening to, like, she's overhearing them as they're talking about her. And she only hears one part of that conversation and she assumes the worst. And yeah. then she runs away before she can hear Vi sticking up for her. Because because she's a kid. I mean, even though she is a very troubled kid, she is she's still just a child, you know. It's like, it, it, it's kind of understandable. It, it's kind of heartbreaking. But, you know, she just wants to feel like she's useful to others and that people love her. And it's just, yeah. she... As a child might, she she happens to hear like the with the worst things that people have to say about her or the negative things. Yeah, even though like and the way we're introduced and the way we're introduced to Vandar too, like how what he a great sticks character up for by Powder. The way. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, for sure. And the what way he character. sticks up for Powder, even though no one else seems to. Mm-hmm. And and he makes it very clear to Vi that she needs to like to keep Powder safe. I mean. As we saw, like, his last words for Vi in episode 3 are, keep powder safe, which yeah. sure doesn't happen <laughs> to some extent. Which, yeah, it, it doesn't really happen, <laughs> um, but it's a nice thought. Um, um, but yeah, of course, some other um, some other stuff gets introduced as well. I mean, th- one of my favorite characters throughout the entire run of this is Silco. My, my yes. god, what a great antagonist. Holy shit. It's so, it's, it, it, I love the journey we sort of go on with him as, because when the, the show starts, he seems kind of one note. It's like this, like, 
very like just an evil dude who's like sort of a foil to Vander. It's like you don't he, he doesn't seem like there's anything more to him beyond that. But as the yeah. show goes on, you sort of see more and more layers to him that he's not just he's not an evil guy. He's just a he's a person, right? He sure his mm-hmm. way of going about things is very cruel, very very cold. But at the, the end of the day, like he he has his dreams that he wishes to fulfill. But then suddenly now he has and down Jinx besides him and he cares about her and that sort of question whether to follow his dreams that he want to fulfill or like keep his sort of daughter quote maybe daughter safe. adopted it's, daughter yeah it, it's very it's it's great his character is probably my favorite character of the show as well he's amazing yeah like like you say when he's first introduced like even i thought oh god this is just going to be a stereotypical mustache twirling villain yeah, yeah. and even up, up until like the the third episode like i still thought that but then when you know we get into act two and especially act three it's like wow this is a very i i kind of like feel for this guy because i kind of understand where he's coming from yeah, you just because, which I love it. I I love when writing can actually get me to sympathize with the antagonist, mm-hmm. and it's great because almost all the main characters they, ju- they just feel like real, like fully thought out like people in terms of how they wrote them. Right, they feel like yeah. real people and not just stereotypes. Even even Jinx, which is a very out there character, you understand why she is the way she is. Yes, that's something I wanted to mention too. Like, especially with the character writing in this show, like it's incredible. You could argue that there are multiple main characters of this show, especially since the story doesn't simply follow one character through these different story threads. It follows multiple characters through multiple story threads. Mm-hmm. But you look at two of the two of the main characters for this show, Vi and Powder. Obviously, these are both like structured to uh, or aka jinx uh are both of these characters are structured to be strong female characters but neither of them come off as the stereotypical hollywood strong it doesn't feel like pandering no it doesn't why because they have very obvious character flaws yeah they just feel like real people with all their strengths and weaknesses and it doesn't feel like pandering that it's like because by the end of the show i was like oh shit a lot of really like awesome female character in this show and he never felt pandering or patronizing for a second because they didn't went into writing this show as like we need a diverse cast of characters a lot of strong independent women and stuff like that no they just went in writing people right they they thought about creating three uh, three dimensional characters in all the senses you might think of it and it's great it's it's great you can connect to these characters I mean, and there's there are multiple uh, female characters in this who are women in positions of power, mm-hmm. and they don't feel like they're just there because they're women. They feel like they're there because they actually have skills, they actually have you know knowledge, they have uh, tenure or or reason to be there. One of my favorite examples of that is the introduction of Mel in the second act, mm. when she's like she's like talking with her assistant about stuff, and in the meantime she she's like going through these like contraptions of sorts and it's like she's like and like the the seller is like telling her oh, this this uh, contraption is like this and this is that and then she picks one and he's like oh this is the children's toy and she's like perfect and then it cuts to her walking to the council room and gifting it to one of the councilmen 
and she tells him, this is a very, very difficult puzzle. I'm sure you'll have a, 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 such an intelligent man <laughs> as you will have a good time with it. And he's all over the moon for, for that new toy. And in that one, like, small scene, you already, you get her character, that she is, like, this very scheming, very intelligent person who knows how to read people. And it's it's awesome. It's awesome. I love that. That's one of my favorite, like, examples of how they just know how to write characters in this show. It's just, it's it's a great example of you don't need these long, protracted story arcs to get character development. You can get it with a single scene. Mm-hmm. Just the the characterization in this show is awesome. It's incredible. I love it. It is. It is. Um, So one of the things that's also introduced in Act 1 is this dynamic of magic versus science. Especially with Jace and Victor trying to develop magic into this, you know, real tangible thing. Which Mm -hmm. it's kind of implied that magic is something that people have known existed for quite a while, but they've chosen not to pursue it because they think it could lead to like actual devastation and ruin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Heimerdinger is like this very genius. He's a genius, and he mm-hmm. keeps hammering home the point that don't mess with this. You don't know how to control it because he's scared. He, of it. he is the personification of the phrase. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do yes, something. Very much so. Yeah. He 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 basically says that over and over in multiple ways throughout his like yo know, character arc, um, and no one listens to that poor dude. <laughs> and absolutely no one listens to it. Uh, I love Harmerdinger; he's great. I, I love him too. <laughs> not not just because is... I want to give him head pads. <laughs> his des- and also the rest of the cast. The designs of this show are top notch. They're great. I, I love the design of yeah. every character. So, with the introduction of of both Vander and Silco in Act One, we're also get, getting we bleh, we are given an introduction to two things that become very very important throughout the rest of the running of the show. Number one is the corrupt enforcers. Yes, um, and I say corrupt in I say corrupt in very big air quotes because to the people of the upper city, obviously they're corrupt because they're working with people in the undercity to try and maintain the status quo. But they're doing it for the benefit of the people in the Undercity. Yeah, that dynamic is really fascinating because, like, you get the dynamic between Vendor and that officer, but then later on in the show, that dynamic sort of flip is like you get a, a new perspective on that dynamic when Marcus, the sort of younger enforcer, gets thrown into that position with, to work with Silco. And yeah. it's so good because you get to see how yeah. this guy who is very, very righteous to some extent is just like put in this situation where it's like he doesn't know how like there's no win in this situation because either his family gets hurt by Silco or like other people get hurt by him not like cooperating. It's it's, it's great. I, I love that dynamic, how they sort of show you different sides of it. It is. And then something else that we get introduced to uh, through Silco, who is essentially a drug lord when he's first introduced. Yeah. Is we get introduced to the the idea of, of Shimmer, which, let's be honest, it's just magic meth. It's magic meth, yeah. Makes it's just magic super meth. Ogre. <laughs> it is. It literally just turns people into these hulking ogres that um, can uh, Hulk smash, I guess. I mean, Vander literally turns to Hulk smash when he takes it at the end of uh, Act 1. 
Let's be real. Yeah. And it's 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 also like when it's introduced, it's obviously in its early stages of development because like, you know, Silco seems like he's going through these different prototypes of like what formulation of this works and this causes this to happen. And like it's almost like with the thing with Vander, like that was just an experiment to see, well, how does this batch do? But then by act two and three, you see that it's become like this thing that people use just to make they themselves feel it, better. Yeah. Like the, yeah. the 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 chick that works for Silco, she like the arm is sort of fueled by Shiver, right? Yeah, and people people use it to to make themselves feel better, like in everyday life, mm-hmm. and they show people getting addicted to it as well. I love how thought out all of this is. Like they they like yeah. they introduce the concept of Shiver and just go with it to all of the extremes you could think of. It's it's really cool, and yeah, the same for our next conclusion. Tech. Yeah, and the same for yeah. Hextech. Like, they discovered these orbs that sort of, like, generate, that are for magic, and then solely to try and develop it into, like, uh, practical things, like these big fists are, that are, like, supposed to, when you are in a cave, or the the hammer as well. Like, they thought of it as, like, something practical, but not necessarily as a weapon mm. at first. Yeah, for sure. And that, that's one thing I actually, I love about fantasy in general, um, is... I love it when fantasy, especially fantasy that revolves around um, any kind of magic, goes to any extent to show you a way that that magic can be used in a practical manner. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like so often in fantasy, magic is just this tool used to drive the plot along. And it's never shown to be used in any other capacity than how the story is being driven along. So I love it when fantasy stories actually take a moment and show you, hey, yeah, this is being used to drive the plot, but look what else it can do. Yeah, the the use of magic and as it progresses to Hextech is very, very interesting in the show. And mm. it's sort of the classic, the classic question of like these scientists trying to just make progress and discover these new things, but then their tools are being used for something that they didn't wish for them to be used as, which is weapons in this yeah. case. It's just another form of of corruption. It's it's corruption of the idea and corruption, but both corruption and power become very important running themes throughout the course of this of this show. Hey, I mean, Jay starts the show as this wide eyed scientist who's like trying to make progress, and by the end of the show, his intentions might still be good, but it's it, 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 he he has become corrupt to some yeah. extent. Yeah, I mean, you even look like you look at someone like Victor who is also pretty I won't say a wide-eyed idealist. Um because he is, you know, he's old enough to where he's he's seen he's become a little bit world-weary, but he believes in the idea of actually using the technology, well, technology, the magic um to For good because he believes it could heal lives. him maybe. Yeah. Yeah, and by the end of it, he becomes so consumed and obsessed with it that, like, he it's it's literally consuming him. It's turning him into this creature. Yeah, we don't even know what are the the consequences of his actions. That's probably going to happen in season two. But it literally, like, it consumes his assistant that then, like, sort of is a part of him now. It's it's very strange. It's but yeah, yeah. he's being corrupted by this for sure. Yeah, but then the end of Act 1, um, it ends with a big confrontation between Vander and Vi and Powder and their little gang and Silco and his, like, I guess, army that he's building up. His little uh, mob, you know, yeah. His mob. Um, and it doesn't end well for, for Vi and Powder and them. Um, uh, most of them end up dead. Dead. 
And I love how it feels like they could make it any time, but you know something's about to happen. And of course, it's powder jinxing it, you know. And I love yeah, literally jinxing it. Literally jinxing it. And I love her reaction, where it's like, it, it, where she's so excited. Oh, her new bomb worked. It, it worked. She's so excited, but then she realizes, oh shit, I fucked it all up. I, I jinxed. I it. killed everybody. I killed everybody. <laughs> and 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 Vi loses it. She absolutely loses that at her. And it's and it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. It's rough. And it is. It's it's it's. And so it's ru- she runs away. She runs away. But that's the that's the even more heartbreaking thing that Vi might have run away, but she didn't abandon Powder. She just like she she needed that moment of just to figure things out, to just breathe a bit, to just you know understand what the fuck is going on. But she had no intention of abandoning Powder. That's the that's the tragic thing about the scene. If she like. Maybe a second later, if she would have returned to Powder, maybe this entire story would have would have changed. But then, like, she, yeah. she got taken away by Marcus to prison, and then Silco got his end hands on Powder, and yeah, it's it's tragic. It's it's very tragic. I mean, Silco has that line at the very end of of episode three where he actually embraces powder and he's like we'll show them all and it's like i'm thinking in any other anime series out there this would be the end of a season like this is how a season would end but and this, this is, is only the, the end of episode three yeah it's great it's so good and at first it seemed like maybe because again as we talked about sickle seemed kind of one note at the beginning and we thought maybe he's just using her for his own gains he is using powder but what's awesome is how we see their dynamic and relationship develop more and more which is very much a, a father-daughter relationship mm-hmm. it's uh, so and good. then we move on and then we move on to act two so there is a bit of a time skip it's it's not really expressly stated how much time has passed um but at least several years yeah several years have passed so we don't know exactly how much we don't know exactly how long, but several years have passed, and now we see uh, Jace has become like a man of the people. He yeah. has become because because of his uh, in, uh, his introduction of Hextech, this magic device. He's actually been able to invent several things to um, make the city of Piltover even greater than it was before. Um, like they have these devices that can send, like I, I'm assuming they're airships, but I'm assuming they're like you know shipping. Mm-hmm. you know container ships in a sense or cargo, so like yeah. the, it's be, it's become it's become like a center of trade and commerce and and culture um even more so than it was before mm-hmm. because of all of these hextech inventions um but a big question not only with uh jace himself but uh victor who's working with him is like is this idea ready for mass consumption? Is magic really safe enough? Have we got it Give nailed it to down people. to where it's safe enough for people to use you know, every day? Because right now, the things that are being done with it are things that like people who are trained to do it are using. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the thing with the... I don't even know what you call it, but the thing that sends the airships... Oh, the big the, portal I'm thing, yeah. Yeah, I'm assuming those are people who are trained to use it that are using it. And like all the magic stuff that you see is it's it looks like it's being done by people who are trained to use it. Professionals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just the question is like can like are people ready? And then Heimerdinger shows up and it's like, no, it's not ready. It's still not ready. It's too soon to like present this to like the wider population. And like Yes. And and obviously Victor and Jace are disappointed by it, but you sort of understand why Heimerdinger is so 
worried about this technology because it potential it has massive potential to be something very destructive and he's he's also he's old enough to remember a time when magic was used for destructive means and by the end of the show he's very correct <laughs> he is very much correct um but yeah, that that's a big thing um, with with Act Two, and you actually see that in in the very opening episode of Act Two, uh, mm-hmm. Happy Progress Day, where he's try he's he's speaking, and like even in the middle of his speech, he changes his mind. It's like, wait a minute, no, everybody's re- this isn't ready for people to see. We need to work on this more. And I love how he's like very much torn between both like both Heimerdinger and his own ambitions and then walks in Mel and she sort of like I sort of like encourages him to know to follow his own intuition and his own like goals of like producing more of this hex tech and giving it to more people for everyday use. But again, mm. he is looking at it as like this wide eyed like scientist who's just trying to make people's life better. But she is looking at it as a politician with her own agendas. And that whole dynamic at play between them is is great. It's great. I love their dynamic. And then in the in, in the background, while that happens, as Jace gets more and more wrapped up in the politics of it all, Caitlin gets further away further away from him. Like I love how in Act One they're sort of present as these like friends, sort of childhood friends who like were very close, but as time moved on. They got very separated from each other. She now is like her. She has her own ambitions as an enforcer. She wants to be more of a detective, to yeah. some, except and not be just a guard who is like in a very safe positions because of her parents. Uh, and I love how like because at first when you see Kaylee and Jace, you have this very. At least I thought they, they're going for like their relationship or whatever throughout the season, but it very quickly sort of ends their friendship. It doesn't necessarily end, but it's not as prominent as I thought it would be. Well, yeah, we didn't really we didn't really talk about Caitlyn in, in in Act One. Like she is introduced in Act One, like she is the daughter of um the I guess Jace's patron sponsor. family. That's yeah, the, the patrons of of Jace's like um uh uh studies into magic. Yeah. Um, and um. I mean, that's pretty much all we get. Like, yeah, she's she seems like she's just at the time she's kind of a child and like just trying to learn what she can, and um, not much is really. She's she's not a very major character in Act One. It's really in Act Two where she comes into her own. And yeah, oh, for sure. I actually thought they were. I thought they were setting it up where there was going to be like this romantic relationship between them, but it wasn't going to work out. And you know, because he was obviously going to get more and more corrupted by, uh, you know, the magic. Uh, the hex tech stuff that he was but trying I to develop. Love, yeah, and I love how it's sort of like present where he's sort of still going after Caitlyn in the second act, but she's very much more focused on her investigation about what's going on with Shimmer in the outer city, and it's yeah, her job, her job, yeah, yeah. I, I even like when when we're first reintroduced to her in Act Two, like he's actually trying to flirt with her, and she's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Um. But also someone who's reintroduced is Powder, who is now called Jinx. Um, that was cool. <laughs> yeah, her introduction is... Um, now, I knew Jinx as a character, but you told me before we started recording that you that was very surprising for you because you never seen Jinx. You don't know anything about her. Yeah, I'd never seen Jinx. I didn't know anything about the character in League of Legends. I, I knew nothing about it. And I, I will say one thing that surprised the hell out of me is... And it really subverted my expectations... 
take note, Ryan Johnson. Um, <sighs> um, that went at the end of Act One, like I genuinely thought that um, Powder, aka Jinx, was um, being set up to be like for a tragic um, uh, revenge. Not revenge. What's the word I'm looking for? Redemption. Mm. A tragic redemption story where she was gonna like for however whatever the time skip was, she was gonna you know kind of fall deeper and deeper into this pit of depression and despair and actually work for Silka, which she obviously does. Um, no. Nope. And then like there was gonna be there was there, there was gonna be like some kind of awakening where it's like wait this isn't me. Well, and she's going to start destroying Silco's stuff from the inside. But then you see her in action. It's like, oh wow, okay. Yeah, <laughs> crazy I mean, bitch. <laughs> my subverted expectations were, yeah, I kind of expected that she was going to be with Silco, you know, post episode three. I didn't think that she'd become batshit fucking insane. Yeah, she's great. I love, I love how insane she is. <laughs> I read something, and I can't remember who it was that that, that wrote this. Um, I I, I want to say it was from an article that I read on like Anime News Network or something, or, or one of those outfits. But um, saying that Jinx is actually a pretty good representation of schizophrenia. Mm, I and I love how they depicted the animation. We haven't even talked about the animation. Fuck the how they depict uh, Jinx sort of like schizophrenic nature is so good. We're different animations that are like sort of overlaid on these objects as if these like puppets are talking to her and she's like just losing it. It's it's so good how it's depicted. It's so yeah. it's, it's so visceral and it, it kind of terrifying at the same time. I love how like when when these happen in front of other people, she'll actually start responding to the 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 specters that are talking to her. Yes, in her head. yes. And then the people be like, "What?" And then like, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> yeah, I, she her just whole presentation and presence in the show is so good. Like I love how even towards the end of the show, she sort of becomes this sort of like the boogeyman of this world. Like whenever like things yeah. seem sort of quiet and then she shows up for a second, you're like, oh, fuck. Oh, no, no. Like, it's, it's so cool. She is chaos incarnate. Yeah, very much. Yeah. Um, so something else that happens in this, so Caitlin, like you mentioned, is already an enforcer and in her little, an in investigation that she's doing about stuff that's going on in the Undercity, she is, um, she is drawn to Vi, who is apparently in prison. Um, and she goes to talk to her and gets her released. And that can really, that really sets up the crux of what happens from then on. Yeah, her and Vi going to the Undersea, figuring what is going on with Jinx and Silco and Shimmer and all of that. And that new dynamic they bring to the show with Vi and Kelly is very entertaining. I love their dynamic and how it develops throughout the season. Can I just say that it is it is great because by the time Act 3 comes around, it's it's somewhat obvious that Caitlyn has certain romantic feelings for Vi. I think for both of them, like, and vice versa, I think. It's very apparent, yes. like, Vi also has a thing for her. Can I just say thank you for not, like, throwing into our face constantly, like, look here, guys, lesbians, lesbians, because, lesbians. Because, oh, holy shit, take note, Hollywood, when you're not fucking pandering and just trying, like, write good characters, it doesn't feel like you're pandering. We're just, like, entertained by, like, characters that feel... Like real people, I know it's insane, but why, why, why can't people sort of like take note of that? 
because yeah. it doesn't feel patronizing or pandering. It's it, it just feels I natural. I don't understand. Like it's so easy not to do it. It's so easy. So easy. It's insane. It's like when uh, the season I, ends, you have all of these leading ladies, some of them gay, some of them not, and all of them just feel like people. They don't feel like they are they are like they are defined by oh I'm gay, oh I'm a woman, I'm a strong no, they just feel like fully developed characters, you know? Mm. It's crazy, yeah. but it just works. Insane. I know, right. <laughs> yeah. Um so a lot a lot of other stuff does happen in the um in in the second act. Yeah, Excuse we're introduced to the firelight. A little bit of a burp there. I was trying to stifle. It's you uh, thinking about, about lesbians. It just gets you on, I guess. Yeah, lesbians give me gas. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we're introduced to a lot of stuff one, in the second oh, act. Yeah. One scene I absolutely loved is in episode five, where Silco actually takes her uh, takes um, Jinx to. A lake and actually performs like a baptism with her. Yeah, like that scene. That number one, super creepy, but super well like like shot and and animated and like oh this, it's so good. Like it gives you a great insight into like the nature of Silco. Like yeah, he kind of cares for, her, but he's certainly manipulating her while he cares for. Her. But then you have like another scene, which is one of the one of my favorite scenes between the two of them. That it's like when Jinx is working on this like new weapon, new device, and she's listening to like this song in the background, and she's very much like in her own world. And then you see Silco like showing up at her place, and he's like, he's like shouting at her, it's like 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 after she attacked the place in Piltover. So he's like screaming at her, it's like what's going on, and she's not listening. And I love how it's very simple, it's very subtle, but. When he approaches her, he doesn't he doesn't hit her, he doesn't do anything abusive towards her. He literally just turns off the music. He sort of like takes away her toy to get her attention, very much like a father would do in a you know a healthy relationship, right? He, like it yes. just very subtly just showing that he does care about her. She's not meaningless in his eyes. Like he otherwise he would have maybe like smacked her around and stuff for to get her attention, right? You know, like an evil person. Yeah. But no, he's like treating her like as as, as a daughter, which, which mm. ugh, their dynamic is great, so good. Something else that's also introduced in um in the second act is um Victor is very very ill to the point where he's dying, like yeah, and it, he's given essentially a terminal diagnosis, um, which like further accelerates his obsession with the idea of, of the hex core because he thinks that it can actually be used to help people in a medical sense. Um, especially when they realize that they can introduce organic matter to it and it makes that organic matter regrow, but they can't figure out how to keep like the plants that they introduce it to from wilting. So that's something that they just, they cannot figure out. And that goes to lead to the really dark place where they're trying to figure out what to do, what to do. And then later in Act 3, we sort of get the answer how to maintain this object. And it's it's kind of disturbing. <laughs> do you know what it's do you know what do you know what it's very reminiscent of? Mm. How alchemy works with human alchemy and full metal, full metal alchemy. That's true. Yes, that's very true. Yeah. It's equivalent really exchange, my friend. Equivalent, equivalent exchange. Equivalent exchange. Let me clap my hands real quick. <laughs> yes. Pray to the holy relic. I mean, what? <laughs> uh, 
Yes. <laughs> uh, no, but I, I, I love that, that too, because it's something that you've seen in the real world too. Like scientists becoming like obsessed with their creations to the point where it starts destroying them. Yeah. I, yeah. it's, I, I love that dynamic. I, I love that dynamic because it, you, you've seen it so many times. It's very real. Like, especially if you know that you're dying and something that you're working on could potentially be used to um, to help you, to, to treat you or cure to you. save yourself, Like, you're yeah. going to get obsessed with it. Yeah, because it, Victor is looking for, like, he's grasping at whatever straws he can to, like, get an answer if he can save himself because, obviously, he's, like, he's desperate. He's very yeah. like, by and the end of the Act Three. That, he's very desperate. He is incredibly desperate, and one of the things like that brings uh, both Jace and Victor into conflict with uh, Hemmerdinger is the fact that Hemmerdinger's species, whatever it's called, lives for hundreds and hundreds of years, but humans don't live that long. Yeah. And the reason that Hemmerdinger can like has the the privilege of being able to wait for progress is that he can live long enough to see it through. Yeah. Humans don't always have that that capacity, mm-hmm. and that so that's where you so get a, a disconnect between the two of them. Because obviously, Jace and and Victor are both humans, and they may have a lifespan if they're lucky, a hundred years. But it's sort of you sort of understand why that Heimerdinger is is that sort of like like he says that like it's very logical of him to say that, but he's also saying that in a very very uh, naive way. He looks at things very naively. Like we talked about this before, but like one of the best scenes that characterize, in my opinion, that characterize Heimerdinger as such a as such a like naive scientist is in the Opera House. Like all of the council members are in the Opera House, except all of them are like scheming and doing politics with each other, except for Heimerdinger. He's the only one who's actually watching the opera and having a good time, because he's the only mm-hmm. one who's not a politician first. He's a scientist first, and it's like. It's kind of it's kind of sad to see how slowly like he loses more and more of his presence in the council because they are more driven by their own agendas and in politics. Yeah, and it, it's very reminiscent of like the whole dark smoky room thing that a lot of people accuse like modern day politicians of doing. Like all the stuff that they do is is done with you know. Um, I won't say inherently nefarious intentions, but certainly shady intentions. Yes. Yeah. For sure. Again, something that's very, very real. And I assume that there are people in actual governments around the world who, you know, get in there and they they genuinely want to do good. And some of them may end up like uh, Heimerdinger or some might actually just get corrupted by it like Jace. Yeah, for sure. Yep. It's also fun watching his like because like throughout it up until i would say act three particularly like near the end of act three he he keeps up this front of like no i'm I'm a scientist first not a politician i'm a scientist first like i've done these deals but i'm still a scientist i'm yeah. still a scientist and, and then, that's like, very the very childish end, of him completely yeah and until the very end he like just completely leans into his like no this is political now and after the events of the ending i have a feeling like he's gonna get even more extreme about it in the second season Whenever we'll get it, mm. to be honest. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the, one of the last big threads of, of Act 2 is the reunification of uh, Jinx and Vi. In and that scene is, wow. Probably, maybe, one of my favorite scenes in the entire show. Like, that that whole sequence of, Vi, of uh, Jinx lighting up the beacon, 
that Vi gave her all those years ago, which in that moment you realize, oh shit, she latched onto that beacon for that many years because she always thought about Vi, about her sister. Mm-hmm. And then when she lights up the fire and Vi is approaching her, that song is in the background. And it's, we, we talked about how this studio used to make music videos. This is one of their best, man. That, that whole sequence with, yeah. I think it's called Guns for Hire. So good. The editing is so fantastic when you see like the camera just like circling around Jinx as you see like her past friends who she killed like like up against her back and it's like it's so it's so haunting but beautiful at the same time. It's amazing. Something we really I mean we've kind of we've mentioned it briefly here and there, but something we haven't really talked about just the the brilliant cinematography uh, of this of this series. Like just so good. Just so much I mean, even visual storytelling. Something you pointed out to me. Something you pointed out to me right before we started was even the scene right before Jace gives his speech where he puts the mug down and it covers up um, Victor. Like, it, brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. Fucking brilliant. Yeah. Amazing. And that's the Especially because the mug says Man of Progress on it and it's got fucking Jace's face on it. It's it's fantastic. It's 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 sharp. It's it, it doesn't overstay itself. It it doesn't like. It's not like a. It, it doesn't like hit you hit you on the head with what it's trying to say. It it's just so <laughs> good and on point. And that's for the entire show. Like again, and and the animation just complements it. And, the, and goddamn, the animation. This show looks so good. Like mm-hmm. it's so pretty, and the effects animation look amazing. I love the. I love the sort of mix we have of like obviously it's a it's a cg show to some extent but you have these incredible 2d background art in uh, that they have for all the places and you have these actual i love the some of the effects are 2d animation sort of and they look amazing it's 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 breathtaking to look at this show every now and then you just see this like this like shot that it's like wow i i just i can i can screen cap that and put it on my wall and i'd be happy with it it's amazing. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's incredible. So, yeah, we get to the end of Act 2. We have the uh, Jinx. She lights the beacon. Vi shows up with Caitlyn. <clears throat> um, and then they kind of have a little bit of a fight when uh, the firelights show up. And this is the first time we're really introduced to the firelights, although they were kind of hinted at at the very beginning of this act. Yeah. Um, um, and the firelights are essentially another... Um, group of people who are from the Undercity who are sort of opposed more or less to what Silco is doing. They're trying sort to make it. it a cleaner place, a better place. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're trying to clean it up from the shimmer like addicts that are running around and they're just trying to make it like a place more worth living in. And then we are uh, reintroduced to Echo, which we do see him at the beginning of Act 1 as a kid, uh, but now yes. he's a badass. <laughs> Yeah, he's a, he, a very minor character in Act 1, but when he's reintroduced in Act 3, yeah, he becomes a, a really a great character. A yeah. great character arc for someone who was had so little screen time in Act 1. For sure, yeah. He, he is great. Um, I, I, his design is, again, it's so cool. He looks so cool. Yes. Um, and and the, the, the you mentioned this before we started, the masks that each of the Firelights wear, they're very well designed. They're mm-hmm. very evocative. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, great designs all around yeah yeah um but yeah a lot of act three revolves around um vi and and caitlin's attempts to sort of 
inform the people of the upper city, particularly the council, of what's going on in the undercity and like why some of this stuff is is happening. And like the fact that Silco really just wants independence more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Even he though- wants them to be he wants the people of the undercity to be ruled by people from the undercity because it's become very obvious that the people in the upper city don't understand what's going on and can't rule over them because they because they just don't get proper reports of what's going on in the undercity because again we have the dynamic with marcus who is aiding silco by just not reporting stuff that's happening and sort of like turning a blind eye to all the the more criminal activity that's going on there so obviously and there's there's that return of the corruption and power dynamics again yeah which is so fascinating and I love how sort of when uh, Vi manages to get to the council with Caitlyn, she has this sort of like uh, this small conversation with Jace when she, where they're like sort of frustrated by the idea of like talking won't get anything done. We need to take action. And then for a split second, Jace actually goes goes through with that and actually like goes with Vi to destroy one of the shear factories. But then he... When he, when one of the children there is murdered, he sort of like gets sort of shocked by it. It's like, no, 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 this is not me. I, I can't do this. This is just, I, I can't do this. And he goes back on. And, and the way that Vi, the way that Vi turns that around on him, it's like, if you can't take this, this is what life is like down here. This is what you govern over. Yeah. It's like, this is all I've known like, my life. It's like, it, it is how it is. Yeah. And like he, he even says, I, I forget the exact quote he says, but he says something like, I wouldn't even know who to tell that their child died. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's amazing that you learn you learn after the fact that the child that got killed was one of Silco's like lieutenant's child yeah, children. Yeah, <laughs> it's, oof, it's a big oof, big oof. Yeah, it is a big oof. Because then they pressure Silco, and that whole, like, very small subplot about these, like, lieutenants sort of pressuring Silco to get him off, like, the ruling position, that is so satisfying, because you see just, you, you for a second, you might forget how conniving Silco is and how ruthless, ruthless he is, but then he just, mm. man, he just dismantles them, it's, it's great. Yeah, and he dismantles them with something that they're all very, very familiar with, but they've forgotten because of him, because he was the one that raised them above it. Yep, yep, it's great. Just, uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's so good. And then that there's that scene in Act Three where, um, um, Sevika, who is, um, who is Silco's like right hand woman, uh, yeah, I guess top lieutenant or whatever, um is like uh I, I forget the guy's name but is uh um, the tiger like, guy courted by one of the lieutenants yeah what is i forget his name the, the guy with the, with the tiger thing right yeah 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 um and and he's like trying to like appeal to her her ego and it's like you know we could do this together and you could be like a co-leader and and blah 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 and like it's just left at that and and like you think well is she going to turn is she not? And then the point comes up between uh, both Silco and those lieutenants and that woman, um, uh, Sevika, where like you see the, the you see the perfect opportunity. Like if she's gonna do it, it's here. She's got to do it yeah. here. It's now or never. And you can see her pull the sword out. It's like, oh my god, she's gonna turn. She's gonna turn. And then, f- nope, fuck you. 
She's loyal to Silco to the end, yeah. Yeah. I, I also way, love how she only kills one of the two people that are there so that the other person can go back and tell everybody yeah, what happened. Yeah, it's great. By the way, her fight with Vi in the bar is so fucking good. It is. Oh. Like, we don't, we haven't oh talked much God. about the fight scenes, but, man, that fight scene specifically is great. It's so satisfying. Mm. Yeah. It is. It abs- it absolutely is. Like just the animation, the choreography, it it, it 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 slaps and the music. My god, the music. Yeah, it's great. It's great. I would highly recommend to anyone to check out the soundtrack with all the songs that are from the show. It's it's so good. So many bangers. I will say that it's very reminiscent of bar fights I've actually seen IRL. Oh, you've seen bar fights in real Oh shit. I've been involved in a bar fight IRL the time. Save this for the next WTF because I wanna I wanna yeah. get some details on that. No, I just it's 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 great. This the way the way it's it's staged it it, it oh it's, it's fantastic. Speaking of fights, oh. we kinda jump in around, but the fight between Jinx and Echo later on in the I think mm. it was the penultimate episode, I might be wrong. Are uh, you talking about the one on the bridge? On the bridge, so good. Yeah. Visually, it looks amazing how it cuts back between the the past when they're just kids, you know, playing playing and fighting each other like just for as a game, and then at the mm. present where they're literally just trying to kill each other. It's, ooh. yeah, it's, it's it's so good. It's visceral. It's great. It's intensive. It's, oh, I could watch that over and over again. and like how how it's it's like it it's stages to where it seems like it's very early in the morning maybe like three or four o'clock in the morning because there's like there's fog rolling in over the bridge and it's kind of like it's hard to see too far and ahead of you and it's oh it's just mm, mm. just i love fucking it. incredible yeah it's this show looks incredible i i can't say that enough but the, but yeah arcane looks amazing it's yeah, um, uh, and th- there's two there's two very important things, uh, threads that are brought up in Act Three, and in fact they're kind of teased in Act Two as well. Um, one is that Silgo is very much in conflict with himself in regards to what's going on like around him. Um, he even he encapsulates this in a, in a single line: "Is there anything so undoing as a daughter?" That like, scene, dude. That scene where he's just sitting next to that. The, that statue of Vander and that as a symbol of shit may, like in that scene you sort of see how he sort of understands Vander as a person respects him way more because he understands mm-hmm. the position he was in back in when he was alive and it's so mm-hmm. powerful and that line specifically it just it's one of the best lines in the show it's so good yeah again the dialogue is just so well written in, in in this um but yeah that that there's so much conflict within himself because i think he, even he realizes that jinx will be his undoing if he doesn't do anything about her but he but, but he just he cares about her so himself much to do anything about her because he genuinely cares yeah yeah and that's and this is what we mean at the start yeah. when we were talking about how he was introduced as this like mustache twirling villain. But m- my God, if you stick around with him for two or three more episodes, you're going to find out there are layers to this guy that onions would be jealous of. And that's and, and what's incredible is that the same for almost all of the characters in the show. There is no weak character in this season. It's insane. There's no weak character in this season. In the Even, final, like, ep- we were t- 
We were talking about it. Even even characters that are introduced like at In the, the very, very end, like uh, Mel's mom. Mel's mom. Oh my god! How like so instantly, instantly recognizable. Like her characterization. Like yeah. this is who she is. She is a tough, no nonsense bitch. Like she po- fuck politics. It's all about power. It's all about projecting power. It's all about and it's such power. a short it's all about and concise power. time. They sort of give you her character, where she's from, Noxus, and you sort of get hints of shit. The world is bigger than we thought there might be hints of something that comes later that's related to her i mean if we look because if we look at the end of the show she's probably gonna be a big force in the next season which i would assume so yes Uh, both figuratively and literally yeah pretty much it's it's, because she's a big woman she's a big mom incredible how they could do that it's such a concise time it's it's it is wow it is it's a testament to how well it's it's a testament to how uh well done the writing is like like you can tell great stories in short run times you 100 can and this is proof positive yep Yep. um another another uh a thread that was again introduced in the second act but really comes to a head in act three is Vi is the, a big part of the reason why Vi is trying to find Jinx is because she thinks that she can uh, turn Jinx so there's still something of powder left in Jinx and I, I mentioned this to you again before we started that it's very reminiscent of in the original Star Wars trilogy Luke Skywalker's belief that there was still good in Darth Vader yeah for sure and Maybe maybe there is some good in, in Jinx. I mean, that reunion they have in episode six is like, who knows? Again, it comes it comes back to that question of if they would have managed to get out there together instead of getting separated again, maybe maybe this is it. Maybe that's how Vi could have sort of turned Jinx back around to not away from Silco and all of his like schemes. But then we get to the end of the season, to the to the tea party, as you will, and it's yeah, whoa. the mad the Mad Hatter's tea party. <laughs> I I love I love that scene where so Vi like wakes up and she sees she she sees this like small tea party. She's like bound to this chair. She sees Silco bound to another chair, and she sees then Jinx shows up with this plate in hand, and you're like. Oh my god, oh my... Because earlier that episode, again, I talked about the whole, like, how Jinx is, like, the boogeyman of this world. And one of my yes. favorite cases of that is Caitlyn is back in the... in Piltover. She's, like, after this long journey, she and Vi sort of broke off each other. Like, the, Vi is like, I, this is done. Like, this isn't going anywhere. And Caitlyn is just, like, taking a shower. She's, like, trying to figure out what what's next. And then, like, in a single cut, you see just jinx in the background it's like oh shit <laughs> no the thing i love about that is how how it's built up because she gets out of the shower you think that this is going to be some kind of a a small reflective scene like she's going to start talking to herself like what the fuck was wrong with me yeah. i did all this wrong da, 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 da. and then all of a sudden like she gets out of the shower she turns the water off and then you can see in the in the fog as it lifts like as the mist like clears from the mirror in front of her you can see one of jinx's like uh what do you call it? Like her, her tags or whatever. Um, but also with the purple like shimmer because mirror. this is after she was sort of injected with shimmer to be saved after yeah. the fight with Echo. 
but yeah, you can see it in as, as the as the like the mist starts to disappear from from the mirror, and like it, it's a, the slow realization on Caitlin's face as to what it is, and yeah. like it's the cut to black, like the instant cut to black, and you know, like something just happened. And then when she shows up in the teapot with the plate in hand, and you're like, oh no, is, is did she kill Caitlyn? Oh no, 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 no! And then she, it's it's literally just a cupcake, and she's like, I'm not that crazy. Come on, <laughs> I'm not that crazy. <laughs> it's like whoa. That scene is so intense. And then she the it's possible. also worth mentioning. It's also worth mentioning that um, there's all there's other chairs around the um, yes. this little tea party where she has dolls of people like the um, what was the guy's name from um, Act? What was the two guys from Act One that was also in their little gang? Oh, they're friends. Um, I don't remember, but yeah, like the kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Which again, throughout the season, you see them sort of talking to her. With, with yeah, through like, her, like, schizophrenic episodes. Yeah, it's, oh, it's rough. But yeah, she has, like, little doll versions of these characters, and it's, like, it, and she, she classifies as, like, it, it's a party for the liars. <laughs> yeah. That that scene is and, and then there's no and then no and then on each side of the table, there are two chairs. One says Jinx, and the other says Powder. And she's like, all right, Vi, where do I sit? <laughs> and that's the crux of the story of this season. It's, like, like... Vi sort of like fighting for to get back her sister and Mm -hmm. it's uh, it's it's like it's so heartbreaking but Jinx is sort of like very very uh, very content (laughs) with sitting down and and it's like this is me I'm I'm Jinx this is who I am she's very content with herself it's kind of sad but it's Oh, it's so heartbreaking as well. That's that that. But before that, even though, like the scene where it's essentially like a, a stare down with guns. Yes. Yeah. Where she's like, "Oh God, I, I gotta kill someone here. Who the fuck do I gotta kill?" And then, like, you see her like shoot one of the chairs, and you, as the the audience member, you don't know who it is yet. And then it turns around, and it's Silco that she just put a bunch of rounds through, and like she immediately regrets it too because she runs over. It's like, "I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry." It's so sad because it's like she cares about him, he cares about her. It's like it's this very fucked up relationship, but it's like, and, well, and it's also I, worth, it's uh, worth mentioning that feelings. I know it's it's worth it's worth mentioning that a big part of of why uh, he, both Silco and her were conflicted is because Silco actually approached Jace with an idea of a peace treaty between the Undercity and and Piltover, right? And you see in, throughout that that entire like scene, the moment like he's very much convict, like he's, he has this conviction about him about I'm gonna get this deal. And then Chase is like, I'm gonna need Jinx. And that moment, you can see it in his face, in his facial expression, it's like he's conflicted. It's like I can't do that. I can give you my daughter. It's like, wow. <laughs> yeah, he's like, but I need someone needs to pay for all this. Someone needs to go to prison for all of this. And Jinx is the best person to go to prison for all of this. And you can also, you can see that it's like in his eyes, like he's so close to the goal that he wants. He wants um, sovereignty as a separate entity to govern over themselves for the Undercity. And he's so close to it. All he has to do is, because they're willing to capitulate to all of his other demands. But all he has to do is be willing to give over Jinx. And it's the one thing that he has the hardest time doing. And all and that is like communicated would... just by the animation and how he reacts to that. And that's brilliant, dude. That's so good. Oh, my God. 
it's communicated. Like, he only has one working eye. I'd like to point out. Like, it's communicated by the the animation of one working eye that Zuko has. It's Just incredible. That look in his eye. It's like he's like I can't. It says I everything. want this so bad, but I can't do it. And his final line to Jinx. It's like I never would have given them to you. It's like he was ready to go to war over over Jinx. her. Yeah, that's so powerful. And then he dies. The best character in the show dies like that. It's like, oh, I'm gonna miss him. I'm gonna miss that son of a bitch. What a fucking phenomenally written antagonist, though. Yeah, for sure. For I sure. Ah. Uh, but yeah, um, and then after this happens, I mean... We get to the grand finale. <laughs> the grand finale of which... So, and, and as, as as all this is going on, right, the, the council members of Piltover, like, they've... They've said that yeah, they're going to accept. They're going to accept this this idea of a peace treaty and oh, give the tragic the sovereignty as a separate as a separate entity. And like the second they do that, here comes Jinx firing a fucking rocket at the council. And yeah, just in and you, that's the council. I mean, Heimerdinger isn't there, but Mel is there. Jace is there. Everyone the tar- is there except Heimerdinger. There. And Heimerdinger was actually ousted as a as a council member. Yeah. And then you see the look of terror on Caitlyn and Vi's face as Jinx is just going to destroy that. And that's the end of the season. And wow, what an incredible way to just end it. What an incredible, what an incredible way to end, number one, end the season. And number two, create incredible amounts of of hype and and stuff for a second season, which has been announced. Yeah. Now, an actual date hasn't been announced yet, but it has been said it's going to be post-2022. So we're so, not getting I mean, it for, anything. The, for next year, probably. I would be surprised if we got it within two years, to be perfectly honest. Because yeah. you've read an, you showed me an article where they worked on this for six years. Which is, wow. Which is just wow. Yeah, now, what, what that means exactly is a little bit up for interpretation because it's not expounded upon in the article that... that you know, you linked me because that could mean that they worked on the um, the writing for three years and the animation for three years. Yeah, it's 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 not clear how much. Like, so obviously, a lot of like the the, the tools they had to use, they sort of relearned how to use them for this project. Obviously, because like they talked about in the article, how up it's a long point, form project. It's not a minute and a half. Yeah, music it's video. not. It's not like four minutes of music video. It's like it's it's four, it's nine episodes, forty minutes each. It's a big. Pro- it's massive. So I wonder how much of the, those six years is just them figuring out stuff in pre-production for like the tools they're using. And I wonder if I mean that think means- about this in a tie. Hmm? Yeah. This only may be this may only be nine episodes, but it's nine forty minute episodes. Uh, yeah. They gave us eighteen episodes of an anime. Like, yeah, pretty much. I mean, think about it. Like a lot of anime and Hollywood movies take about two to three years to create, and these movies are like what, ninety minutes? So Yeah. If that. Yeah. That's insane. But yeah, the ending of the season is incredible. It's so goddamn bold and i love it because it just creates opportunities for whatever comes next because as we mentioned mel's mom arrived in piltover and we know she's a very much an extreme person who's very much into like warmongering so if mm-hmm. now the council is gone and i i'd assume mel is dead because she was at the front of that window she got the brunt of that rocket right I would assume. Yeah, I, w- this- I would assume that I- I'm going to assume that at least one or two of the council members will survive this, but they will I think be Jace significantly is gonna weakened. I think Jace is one of the surviving members. 
And I think like what comes next for his characters next season is just going to turn into more of an extreme leader. I think he's a very, I, if he does survive and he's the only member of the council that survives, I just foresee him becoming a straight up dictator. Maybe, maybe. Again, we have Mel's mom there that's probably going to just, just like her daughter, just going to push him in a certain direction. And yeah, I think that's, yeah, it's, it, it's going to be so Safe good. to say, I think you and I significantly enjoyed this and are very much looking forward to more. This is one of the best, like, animated shows I watched in the past few years. I think it's very clear. It's certainly one, it's certainly one of the best of 2021. Yes, for sure. And yeah, I'm... I'm very excited to see what what comes next. It's it's just so good. It's such a great show. It's so good, you know? And you know, one thing we didn't touch on at all, and I mean, we're already almost an hour and a half into this, so we Sorry, probably John. stop. Sorry, John. Uh, but one thing we haven't really touched on at all is um, the, the incredible voice acting, at least for the yes. English dub. Yeah, all of the characters, are just there's no, not even a single weak performance. It's insane. All even, of them yeah, just, even the mm. smallest, even the smallest characters, they're, they may only be there for a scene or two in the entire run of the show. Just phenomenal voice acting. So full of personality. It's great. Mm. And I, I love the fact, and I really think that more, um, I, I know that with anime dub production, you don't always have the capacity to do this. But the fact that they actually went out and got um, voice actors who were French, who were, you know, Indian or who were, uh, you know, whatever, uh, who weren't just Americans doing accents. Like, thank God, because I think some people just doing some of these accents would have been awful. Yeah, probably. Uh, just incredible. I, just, I applaud so much applause for this that. entire production um, is just all around just like incredible. Like, it seems they knew like that stuff is special and just they went all all out with it. It's so and good. The amazing thing. So the, the, I, I mentioned in the beginning that this was a sort of a co-direction between Pascal Charu. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that name. You try. And you try. Arnaud Delorde. Uh, from what I have been able to tell, this is their both of their first foray into a long form, uh, like content directing. Like, w- wow! I, if this is their first attempt, I, just I'm amazing. I, I, I'm excited to see what comes next. Yeah, <laughs> from the two yeah. of them. Absolutely. Yeah, I just I, I can't applaud this production enough. Um and I'm super hyped to see even more as, as time goes on. Who knows? Maybe this will be the story will be finished after after two seasons. Who um, knows? Who knows? Who knows? Uh but one thing I do know is that we won't find out until sometime after twenty twenty two. Um My bad is that's pretty much it. That's yeah. 2023 right with uh jojo part seven <laughs> that's coming 2030 <laughs> let's be honest 2035 yeah oh uh, yeah unless you got anything else to say natai about arcane i think that's that we pretty much covered that's pretty much a it. lot of Just the big fantastic stuff fantastic show yeah it's incredible yeah, yeah. can't say yeah. enough good things about I- it oh i will say this one last thing to end so um uh, what what do you give it out of ten? Oh, uh, it's like it's is it's a very 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 strong nine out of ten. I think for me, it's very very. Close I would say to like yeah. 10. I, I I would agree. Like nine, I'd say yeah. nine point five out of ten. Yeah, it's a very strong nine out of ten. Very solid. Very just mwah, cream of the crop. What is 
what issues that I did have with it were very, very minor. Um, I just, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's really, really close to a 10 out of 10. For yeah. Me. It's really, really close. fantastic. Again, like it's, I, I just thinking about certain scenes and moments from this show. I'm like, wow, this is just incredible. Absolutely incredible. Just good shit all around. Yeah. Indeed. But yeah, that's, that's going to be it. Um, thank you all there for dropping in to listen to us talk and, and gush. Just gush about <laughs> Arcane for a, a nearly an hour and a half. Um, check the description below to find Anime Club After Dark on Twitch, on social media, and on Discord. We also have a merch store where you can uh, buy lots of nice Anime Club After Dark swag. Um, we also have, uh, we have, we have, we have a lot of stickers, a lot of stickers. So if you like stickers, you're good. Um, <laughs> And with that, I have been your host, Alex, and I will see you next time. Say goodnight, Natai. Good night. I'm dead. I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> Still recovering from from the new year. <laughs> hey, Natai. Uh, Happy Progress Day. <laughs> Happy Progress Day, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>